It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. If you lost Survivor and you're feeling down, David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how you played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost. And this is why Blank lost. Oh, baby, this is why Blank lost. Welcome to Why Blank Lost. I'm David Bloomberg, and even though I didn't predict Rick would return from Extinction Island, I'm quite happy with the outcome. My co-host Jessica Lewis, on the other hand, did predict it, and I bet she's also happy to have her winner pick back in the game. Oh, I'm so happy. I was dying when that was taking place. Like, my husband and I were watching, and like, both just like really excited about it. And then once it happened, we were like high-fiving each other. It was a pretty excited moment around the Lewis household. So, you know, my winner pig is back. And I actually had a correct prediction for once. So I feel good about myself thus far. Yeah, I mean, I had a few predictions right about that uh, challenge, not the outcome. But, you know, I, I Aubrey used her experience to get a lead in the challenge. I thought she would. Chris and Wendy did well. I thought they would. Keith did horrible. I thought he would <laughs> and reem reem yelled at the challenge so you know so yeah so you did have some correct predictions yes just just not the one that counted oh i was so excited he won i'm so happy for my boy rick so excited yeah yeah, yeah. now uh neither of us correctly picked joe to get the boot i know uh, someone on twitter and i i'm sorry i just can't remember who uh Noted that they were surprised his name never came up in our predictions. I, I think we just figured he'd win the first immunity challenge. Well, and honestly, and I think we're going to talk about this a lot, too. One of the reasons why his name didn't come up in my thought process was just that this whole idea of comma strong, even though he wasn't part of the six, I still thought we're going to there's going to be a few votes before they really start turning in on themselves. That's what I was thinking, honestly. But we'll talk about that because I think they might have screwed up a little bit. But well, yeah, oh, we'll we, get we there. have plenty of time for that. I know we have plenty yeah, of time. That, but that that's, goes all the way to Appendix A before we get there. So settle in, folks. I know. So uh, get ready. I'm, yeah. We're going to talk about that. But but yeah. I think that's why I wasn't really focusing on Joe because, yeah, he's usually a challenge beast and he's probably going to win. But there was the group he was coming from, the eight of them. So, yeah, yeah. I, honestly, I just I just never thought of him because I I don't know, kind of like how I never thought of Wendy when we were talking about the threat, you know, till you said, hey, do you, do you realize that you didn't say anything about her? Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Sometimes <laughs> things just slip your mind. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, speaking of Wendy, I have to admit, I wasn't exactly upset to see her and Keith raise the sale. It, I mean, it was clear they were the least interested in playing the game and both had web confessionals that basically talked about their experience. And yeah. Wendy said her experience was over. And I know Wendy said something different on Twitter and also in interviews, both of which are obviously more recent. But even with other considerations, 
I, I think it came down to her noting that she wasn't there to win the money. She was there to free the chickens and she had done that. Yeah, which is really, I mean, I like Wendy. I think she's a sweet person, but if you're going to play Survivor, you should be there to win. That's all there is to it. Like, this isn't about some experience. This isn't about freeing chickens. This isn't about having like a moment to be out there and learn some things about yourself. You can do those things when you're out there, but you should also be playing to win because you're just, I, I feel like it's an insult to everybody else who like tries to play this game and wants to play this game because they want to play it to win to have someone just be like, oh, I was looking for a freeing chicken experience. I don't know. It's weird to me. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, you will certainly get no argument from me here. So, uh, you know, yeah, you, you play the game to win the game, but mm -hmm. not, not everybody agrees, apparently. Uh, what, uh, I don't but, understand. Yeah, but, but, you know, we already looked at why Keith and Wendy lost in previous podcasts. And so, you know, it it's a good thing because we were asked at the beginning, how are you going to do these podcasts? And yeah, it's good. We decided to do it based on the results of votes because otherwise this would have been a really short season for us. We would have <laughs> right. preview uh, a podcast about Keith and Wendy this week and then nothing until the finale. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so, mm -hmm. uh, but as a reminder, uh, each week we pull together everything we see on TV, plus other non-spoiler information like, web clips and Twitter press conferences with contestants, which, by the way, gave us some good information this week in particular. Mm. And uh, we compare that information against the rules I wrote after Survivor's first season and have been updating ever since, which you can find at robhasawebsite.com slash Survivor 38 rules. But before we do that this week, there are a couple topics we need to address. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll start with the one that a number of people, including Rick's own mother-in-law, asked us about, uh, which was what appeared to be Kelly's angry attitude towards Rick and then the vote for David. Yeah. Uh, you know, she she said it seemed to her that Lesu should have welcomed Joe and Aurora and Rick and then been the majority. And I thought the same thing. And right after the show aired, I replied to people who would ask that question saying, I didn't know if we would be able to explain it. Yeah. But Twitter and Reddit have come to the rescue. <laughs> yes, they have. <laughs> and uh, it turns out Kelly didn't say those things. You know, that, that's the short of it. At least not with the words in that order. They were all her words. They were just not together at the same time or in that order. Right. They were apparently a mashup of confessionals. And the funny thing is that, that people figured this out because CBS basically outed themselves by putting a full web confessional in from Kelly. Mm -hmm. That contained part of what we heard her say, but not all of it, which demonstrated that it was a mashup. So, yeah. you know, in other words, Kelly wasn't saying Rick coming back was the worst thing possible. Yeah. And I, I don't appreciate the mashup because it really I think it left everybody kind of scratching their heads as you're watching the show. I understand that CBS wants it to be interesting and they want people to be intrigued, but. That's something that just didn't even make sense because there was kind of a love fest between the two of them when he was getting voted out or when they were having to vote out one of them. I mean, they seem to have a good relationship. Everybody else seemed to have issues with Kelly and Kelly seemed to have issues with other people. I mean, Rick was not the top of that list at all. If you look at all no. the people that she had voted out, he was certainly not at the top of that list. 
So I, I just, I thought it was definitely really strange. And I don't know if they wanted to do it to try to create drama and why she was then targeting him. But I, I don't love it because, yeah, it's not what happened. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's the latter, that it was a, an easier explanation, maybe. But, you know, Robin Haley talked about this on the Feedback podcast, but I don't think I agree with Rob's conclusion that Rick had already turned on Kelly by the time Kelly said some of the mashup quotes. And Haley even said right after he, he explained it that, you know, I still don't see how it makes sense the quote in question just doesn't seem to fit into a discussion about how rick would have already turned on her and i don't think rick planned to flip against her until he heard kelly was mentioning his name yeah and i think that kelly's initial approach to mentioning rick's name was and she even said it and so did lauren it was the easy vote it wasn't there was there was no we have to target him because he's my number one guy that I have to go after. It was no he's the easy vote. We already voted him out once. I think people could get behind it. And if you think about past seasons when people have been in similar situations, if you will, when it's Redemption Island and they come back in the game, they more often than not got voted out first because it's kind of one of those mindsets I think that survivor players have is, well, you've already been voted out, so you don't get to come back and play again. And so it, I can understand that thought process that Kelly and Lauren had that it's an easy vote. And there wasn't any like animosity about picking Rick when I think they talked about it. It was just more of a this is a consensus that I think we can get everybody behind as opposed to I have to go after him. And then that's right. what the, the mashup confessional sounded like. And it just it it really made no sense at all. And I'm glad that. CBS did out themselves and now we know and <laughs> Kelly came with receipts and that was great you know so it was all good that that we were able to clarify that particular component of the show some of it I still don't understand the choices but that at least we now know right yeah and you know you mentioned her coming with receipts it did seem like she was unhappy on Twitter about the way things were shown mm-hmm. you know though to her credit she kept it calm early and just said there was a lot more going on and then once the mashup information came out she forwarded that and spoke more openly about it and uh it you know it it looked to me like she was less than happy again with the way that it was shown and and this is another reason i disagree with rob's conclusion because his theory means producers only moved a few words around but kept the ideas intact and i wouldn't think kelly would be as upset about that it seems more likely they changed what she had been saying yeah, because then, if you look at her entire confessional, that's not changing a few words around. That's like right. splicing and shifting things greatly into a different spot. Yeah, I mean, Wardog even chimed in on Twitter to say, I'm glad people see that now, totally taken out of context. And then he sarcastically tweeted, hmm, I still feel like you told me that of all the people you were so upset, it was Rick Devins that was the one to come back and that we needed to take him out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so then I guess the next question is, why did Kelly Lauren and War Dog, or as I called them on Twitter, War Lauren, um, <laughs> vote against David while Rick and David turned on Kelly? Now, we won't get into whether it was good for any of them to do that until Appendix A. Damn it. Just the, the why of it. And, you know, so my suspicion is that. 
As many people thought right after the show, the comma six told each of the subgroups, we hear they're coming after you. If you want in with us, vote this way. Right. Julie said it to Rick and the group of Victoria, Eric and Gavin had indicated to Kelly and company that uh, at that double tribal council that they wanted to work together. Mm -hmm. Also, you have, well, actually, you mentioned this already. You know, Lauren had a web confessional that talked about trying to find the easy vote that Kama could get behind. And that was Rick or David. Right. And Kama did a great job selling that, that they were willing to do that and they were willing to come on board. And they were so convincing. I mean, Kelly and Lauren really believed that that's what was happening. So I could I could see why they all kind of bought into it because that's what they were being told. But at the same time, I I feel like it was there was a huge missed opportunity of all of the not well, that, that, comma sex. I know, I know, I know. This is just, this is this is what happened. Not not. I know this is why. And yeah. so I do you think make people that people listen all the way to the end. Well, and here's and here's what we know about the comma six. We know that the comma six is really good at being convincing because clearly they did a number on Aubrey, right? At least three of them did. So right. you've you've got a core group of people there that are playing the game really hard. They're very convincing. And and I think um, Joe even mentioned that, I I can't remember if it was Joe that mentioned, but I remember hearing it somewhere that that they really did, you know, they, they did a great job kind of making him, I think, feel like he was still part of their numbers. And, you know, and, and because they're playing the game so so incredibly well for returning players, you know, or, or against returning players, I should say. You know, you've got returning players that are supposed to be much more wary of of how people play the game and are supposed to be more experienced. And you've got a group of newbies that are just running circles around them in a lot of ways. And that's exactly what this tribal showed, that they ran a very big circle around all of them and managed to pull out a majority when they didn't even necessarily have a majority. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Joe and I don't want to get too much into it before we get into it, but uh I, Joe was so confusing because I, I had notes that showed in one confessional, he'd say, I know where I stand. And another, he'd say, I don't know where I stand. I and know. Like, oh, my Lord. So, yeah, anyway. So. So anyway, yeah, we will get to, you know, more of the whether it was good or bad when we get to Appendix A. But the other topic I wanted to mention was the fact that now a player can get voted out, go to Extinction Island. And then they spend all day every day with their fellow jurors. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, one of them comes back into the game. And if that person makes it to final three, they will have relationships with the jurors, especially the early ones that no one else was able to have. And then are in a way completely outside the game relationship. Yeah. So not only do we have people like Reem and Chris on the jury when they haven't even met half the players. And they certainly don't know what's been going on, but they will possibly meet and become friends with a finalist on Extinction Island. Yeah, it is kind of uh, crazy. It, yeah, I mean, well, I, I think it goes beyond crazy to terrible. And it, you know, <laughs> uh, Eliza said on Twitter, my worst fear about this whole theme was how the jury was going to work for the one that makes it back in the game. basically has a huge we'll go with bleeping advantage to win this season and yeah that's exactly that's exactly it the the person who comes back in has been hanging with the jurors yeah 
Well, and that's the, that's the problem too with the, the concept of, of the, I'm going to say extinction island. Am I saying it right? Or the island yes, of extinction? Yes. I always say it wrong. I, so know, they've called it both edge of extinction and extinction island. Yeah. So. so you, so you already have this like unknown and you already have the possibility of people who are there coming back into the game and developing relationships they didn't have before. And that's just one part of the, of that, you know, edge of extinction existence. You can't get around that, but then you've taken those same people and plugged them into the decision-making component of the jury that really does greatly change the outcome potentially, because we've, we've discussed it. It's part of your rules, you know, that the, the social component part of this game and, and creating those relationships, all of that is going to come into play. And now you've heard, and I'm sure you've heard the, with the confessionals from this week, Mm -hmm. this is now something that is being considered by players. They're thinking about edge of extinction and how it's going to affect their ability to work with these people or who's going to come back in the game and kind of stacking the deck, if you will, with who they want to put out there. So all of this is now being considered and you can't. And even Aubrey is talking about it, how she's going to use all of these pieces of information from people that come onto Extinction Island to her benefit if she gets back in the game. So I I think this is a, a completely different level of survivor and really does greatly affect the potential outcome. And it's not going to be one that we're normally accustomed to. Yeah. I I just, I just hope whenever they come in, it's not so late in the game that the others basically have no chance to get rid of them. You know, if they come in at final five, yeah, all they need to do is win one challenge and they're immune. And then there's fire making. Yeah. And you know, there's got to be a chance for the other players to get rid of them again. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid there isn't going to be. Yeah. The whole thing is definitely, it's definitely crazy. And if you think about now, I'm like starting to remember like just little comments that were made, like the one comment that David made about Chris being better at making fire than he is, which mm-hmm. can't be true because I know how incredible David is at making fire. But why do you include that one little comment? You know, about Chris being really great at making fire. Yeah, I mean, and and you just kind of have to wonder, are they are they laying the foundation for, you know, a Chris coming back in and then a fire making challenge between those two? I have no idea, but it has definitely changed the way all of us are going to be thinking about the game because this is a this is a whole nother like level. It's a whole nother level. I, I you know, the one thing I would say is uh considering the producers were apparently hoping no one would remember that uh, Rick had been voted out in a very loving tribal council which was, what, <laughs> two, you know, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think they expect that most viewers are going to remember that one clip uh, yeah. saying that Chris is good at fire. Well, and you know, but, but it's one of those things you have to wonder why would they include right. it if it doesn't matter. Right. I think they included it just to make us rack our brains. over. And that might be it. too. Yeah. <laughs> they know they listen. Yeah. That's right. So anyway, we can we, we we've uh, you know talked for now uh, we're we're like uh, 15, 18 minutes in. So let let's go ahead and put all of that in our back pocket for now. Hope that our worst fears don't come to pass. Even mm. though many people thought heading into the season it was designed for Joe to end up on Extinction Island as he now has, and mm-hmm. then come back in to win the game at the end. But well, let's put that aside for now. We'll deal with that if it happens. And for now, we'll look at what. Joe did to get himself voted out as 
we look at why Joe lost. Yep. Let's and, do that. Okay. So I'm going to start by looking back seven episodes or seven seasons ago. Oh, you're, you're going way back. I'm going way back. Well, that's not way back for me, but seven seasons ago to when I was doing this podcast with Rob and we covered why Joe lost second chance. And I said at that time that normally we'd begin with the first rule and go through them in, in, in you know, each in order. But occasionally there are exceptions, and this is one of them, uh, because it would seem disingenuous to not address the challenge beast in the room. So I said, let's just skip ahead to rule six, which warns against being too much of a threat. And then I asked, was Joe a threat? Hell yes. That much was known before the game even started and only became more obvious as the game went on. So, you know, I said all that. That was from seven seasons ago. Mm-hmm. I might as well have written that now. I'm and sure you so- just copied and pasted it from your computer, I, right? I, I did. I did. See, this is why I use a computer and not post-it notes and legal pads. <laughs> There's uh, nothing wrong with post-it notes and legal pads. Would you have been able to find a post-it note from seven seasons ago? You would be surprised. The stacks well, okay. of paper I have, I could probably sort through it. Okay. So, um, so anyway, yeah, it makes sense to do the same this season. And, you know, let's just start with rule six this time. Mm-hmm. So last week in discussing Aubrey, I said that being a threat is a problem inherent in being a returning player in this situation. And that situation is only amplified if your name is Joey Amazing. Yes, it certainly doesn't help if your name is Joey Amazing. Right. You know, coming into this season, uh, the moment all the new players saw him, they had to know two things, uh, which I discussed in our preseason podcast. One. Any tribe would be stupid to vote him out early because of his abilities and challenges. Mm-hmm. And in this case, those abilities meant there wasn't even a chance to vote him out then. I he know. Won. He did. And they, yeah. and he definitely helped everybody thrive, not just because they were winning, but he was feeding them. Right. They, you know, right. I mean, everything that you need on Survivor, Joe was providing to them. So it wasn't well, just a matter of we're going to win challenges. We're also going to get food. Yeah. And. And then two, the second part was they should vote him out as soon as he loses a challenge after the merge, which is exactly what happened. See, you predict your prediction seven seasons ago was here. This. Well, this was the one from preseason this season. Oh, yes, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it probably was similar. We'll we'll find more quotes from that one. Don't worry as we go along. Uh, but for now, let's just go back again to last week when I mentioned the secret scene from day two in which Ron, Julie, Julia, Eric and Gavin were all talking about wanting the returning players gone again. That was from day two. Right. That's how much of a threat they were. And whatever level of threat Aubrey was, Joe was one step higher in terms of challenges. I, I mentioned in an earlier podcast that Joe had a web confessional for episode three in which he talked about how he was playing a different game and trying to downplay his strength. And yeah, maybe that was because the last time he played, he didn't seem to understand that this was a problem, as he said he hoped that being a guy who pushed so hard that he collapsed in a challenge would earn him a little respect with his tribe mates. Yeah, but it doesn't work he, that way. No, he had it backwards because yeah. you know he got too much of the kind of respect you don't want on Survivor. Yeah. Could could he have learned that that was a bad thing since then? Um I'm going to say no, because we saw how he stood out in every challenge and took on a primary primary role almost every time. 
you know, Jeff Probst would call out things like Joe directing his tribe. Yeah. And and that was Joe, quote unquote, staying in the background. Well, and that's the thing that I don't understand is that he came into this game with this idea of playing smarter, not harder and wanting to play 80 percent versus 100 percent. But I feel like he was doing his math wrong because, (laughs) you know, he really needed to he needed to be like, I need to play a social game at a a much higher percentage and and not play such a physical game, because really, Joe, you know, him, any challenge. 50%, 50%, he still probably beats people. You know, I mean, it's, right. it's not, it's not a difficult thing for him. So you could really pull back on that. And then really you got to push down on the gas with your social game, because that's where if you're going to play smarter and not harder, well then play smarter. You know I mean? Cause you're still playing just as hard because you're still playing the challenges and going into all of that stronger and with more abilities than anybody else who's out there. So you really have to kind of take that into consideration that even even giving only 80 percent for Joey Amazing is still beating everybody in all of the challenges. And and we saw that happen. And so I I was just kind of confused with his idea of coming into this with I'm going to I'm going to play a different type of game. But no, he played the same exact game, the same exact game. And even, I think, pulled back on the social component of it. So it's like I it it's really quite. It's quite baffling just listening to what he said before the game and what we saw during the game. Yeah, I mean, so so that brings up the question, what could he have done to get around it? And I again, I went back to when Rob and I covered why Joe lost, you know, in second chance. And at the end, I addressed what I thought Joe could potentially do differently if he were to come back. And I said, if he were brought back soon, he would have to pull a Tyson and fake an injury. Yeah, but but if he waited a few years, well, more than a few years, he could pull a Colby. Now, it wasn't long enough to go the Colby route, so he needed to try the Tyson path. And I truly wonder if that could have worked. At first, I was thinking if he'd done that and they lost a challenge early, he might have just gotten voted out right at that point because the newbies were already targeting Aubrey as well. Mm -hmm. So clearly a lot of it was about being a returning player just alone. But he might not have because, well, Aubrey or Aurora could have been a target first. And especially if he was still doing other things around camp. Yeah. You know what? Even if he had been first, it was worth the risk because Mm -hmm. if he wasn't, he could have gone much further in the game. Pretending to be in less than peak condition would have shrunk his threat level and making the merge would not have meant immediate doom for him like it did now. I mean, it. You know, it's not like they were going to vote him out because he was a strategic threat. Well, and that's the that's the whole point of with the difference between he and Aubrey and the geniusness that it would have been if they had if he'd actually tried to throw in a challenge and and gone to tribal council. I do think that Aubrey would have went first, because if you look at the two individuals who's playing a more threatening game strategically, and that's always going to be Aubrey. And if he's not delivering as much as they would hope in the challenges, but he's still fishing and he's still able to provide around camp. I think between the two of them, they could say, well, as far as gameplay is concerned, we need to be more worried about Aubrey and not Joe. And they would have likely voted her out before Joe. I mean, that's my opinion, but I do agree with you that it might've been worth the risk and, and trying that just because he, he didn't take any, 
and he the light was shining on him the whole time and it and it kept <laughs> shining on him and and you could you could hear angels singing when he would win challenges and his tribe was talking about how they were on Joe's tribe and i mean it was everything he didn't want he just kept creating so yeah i think that would have been if you want to play your game completely different that's how you have to do it you have to play it completely different completely right. different right and then so on top of all this, the existence of Extinction Island provided another element to Joe's threat level as a reason to get him out as quickly as possible. Because given the conditions that were described, I think it's a good idea to send him there and get him weakened mm-hmm. before the next competition you know, that he would have to go to to return. Now, I mean, he is Joey Amazing. Maybe he'll, you know, feed himself and everyone and it'll backfire. But who knows? And. Also, Julia said in a web confessional this week that with Extinction Island in place, she wanted to vote out Joe the threat now and then vote out more threats kind yeah. of pile on so that only one could come back. She doesn't want to send over weak players. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which I think so. is another interesting part that now that they know that this edge of extinction exists and they know what it entails. The fact that that's now going to come into their decision making, I think, is is so significant because now you have the opportunity for weaker players who sometimes and I'm not saying there's any goats on this season. I'm not. But those people who can end up being seen as a goat or being dragged to the end, they have a much better shot of being dragged to the end or making it to the end with this whole idea of Extinction Island. If that's the if that's the mindset that people are going to use now in voting people out, let's stack the threatening, you know, diff- you know, most um, challenge beast type people out there. So then only one can come back and potentially get back into the game. I think it's an interesting switch as far as how people are going to make it through to the final three. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned it. I hadn't thought about this. I don't think there are any goats left. I think all the goatiest goats are gone. Yeah. I mean, so it's it's this is I do have to say the season has been they've done a really great job casting. And I do think that there are a lot of potential winners here. I really do. So it's this idea now of how Extinction Island is going to affect who they vote out. Now, I think with Julia's confessional, it that is absolutely a decision that everybody is is going to be considering is that you know we need to get rid of those challenge beast people and send them there let them become weak maybe they get a chance to come back in but it's only one of them and not all of them i think that that's definitely going to come into play and clearly we saw it happen because joe went home right right um and then there's one more thing that it, I think it's minor, but I'm going to mention it anyway. You know, if Joe hadn't been enough of a threat, which he was, uh, Victoria said in a web confessional this week that Joe threw out her name in the pre-merge. And now we don't know the exact situation because, well, they never lost and we didn't really get to see much of what was going on there. But it seemed to be because she was smaller and, you know, perhaps not viewed as being as good in tribal challenges. Yes. And so. That stuck in Victoria's mind to this point, and I'm sure it did not help the situation for him. Well, and that's the again, we go back to that. The way that Joe is playing Survivor is it's like old school Survivor, really, because someone like Victoria is very aware of her stature. And she did say in a web confessional that she was more concerned with the beginning of the game because she didn't want to be the weakest one in challenges, but she knew she wasn't going to be the strongest. 
And now that she's in the merge component, that's where she can kind of flourish because no one is going to see her as a challenge beast. So she's very mindful of how all of those things will play out in the season of Survivor we find ourselves currently playing. Whereas someone like Joe is immediately looking at players and thinking, well, that person's weak in the challenges. They need to go home. So he's kind of still in that old school mindset where it's you have to work hard, you have to play hard, you have to fish and you have to build and you have to win challenges and you have to be a beast out here. And that's how you win Survivor. But that's not how you win Survivor anymore. Well, you know, I would argue that was never how you win Survivor, even old school, whatever school, you know, that's that's it, uh, poor, poor game thinking. We'll just go with that. And it might very well be poor game yeah. thinking, but there was more of an appreciation oh, yeah. for it, I think, yeah. old school. And so there was this idea that you could get there if you were someone who won challenges and if you were someone who worked hard around camp and if you were someone who provided for the tribe mates. There used to be this idea that there would be some respect to that. I think Joe used the word indebtedness, that they would feel indebted to him for all of the things that he had provided to them. So there does seem to be this idea that he had that although I'm stronger and I can and I perform well in challenges, I they owe me something for everything I gave to them. You know, like they owe it to me. And that's not the way people look at you when you play Survivor, that you owe them anything. You know, I mean, it's, it's more of a that guy's going to beat me. So he needs to go home. Not he brought me fish and put a roof over my head. So I'm going to let him stick around. It's just well, a, yeah. a different kind of philosophy that I think he came into the game and has had that philosophy every time he's played. Yeah, and this was something I was going to discuss later, but it can go anywhere because it's not a rule. But as regular listeners know, I used to have a section in the rules long ago in the early reality news online days that talked about providing food and working hard. Mm -hmm. But so I guess you would call that, you know, what you were referring to as the old school. But as the game progressed and these things became less and less important in general, I eliminated that rule for mm -hmm. exactly the reasons you were just talking about. But I guess Joe didn't get the news because, <laughs> you know, again, you, like you said, he hoped his comma tribe mates would feel indebted to him and trust him because of his hard work and his challenge wins. And, yeah. you know, I, Ron told me on Twitter that comma shelter was something to behold and the whole camp ran like a machine. He said it was extremely impressive and he was grateful to be with people who knew what they were doing, including, of course, Joe. Mm -hmm. And I quoted the web confessional uh, to Ron and noted that Joe wanted him to be grateful and not vote him out. And Ron replied to me, Survivor isn't a game of favors. Yeah. And, you know, he's 100 percent right. And he understands this point in his first time playing while Joe still didn't get it at the end of his third time playing yes and that's what so every the, the mindset people come in with now it's more about the aubrey's of the world who have that that mindset and or the victorias of the world where they want to play strategically and they want to form relationships and they want to learn information about people and they want to use that to play the game which then becomes a huge threat because they're strategically very strong they're socially very strong and instead, Joe wants to paint the new banner with their, you know, and, and like that's his focus is this kumbaya kind of I'm everyone's going to be 
indebted to me because I provided so much and they're not going to vote me out. And I'm just going to hope that that's what happens. I'm not going to go and strategize and tell anybody, well, okay. don't well, do that. I know I'm no, getting I'm ahead. Getting, I'm getting, getting ahead. ahead. So let's, let's go ahead because we <sighs> have spent a fair amount of time talking about Joe as a huge threat from the moment he walked into the game. But, and he was absolutely right, a huge threat. Right, right. But that wasn't the only reason he was voted out. Uh, in, in a different co- Twitter conversation with Ron, uh, he noted to me, there is always something people can do to save themselves. The door is never completely closed. That's one of the things that makes Survivor so compelling. Mm-hmm. And I told him he's right 99% of the time. And I will add now that this situation is not in that 1%, which we already know because we discussed one possible way he could have reduced his threat level by taking the Tyson path. So now let's go ahead um, with, with the rest of the rules to see what some of the other ways are. And that leads us, we'll, we'll jump back to the first rule, which of course is to scheme and plot. And, you know, this is where you are already heading because Joe said he was coming into this season with new plans, but it seems those plans seem to all be on the social side, which we'll discuss a little bit later. Although I think some of his social was like building a shelter that that's not really social, but I, uh, you know, he had very little on the strategic side, which has not been, shall we say his forte. You yeah. Know? Sure. He said in his bio that the player he was most like is Kim Spradlin, but that is just so obviously wrong. I just, have to hope he was joking because otherwise he's delusional. Well, I I just wonder if if Joe has this idea in his head that strategic is equal to having some type of a like a relationship with the people that you're on your tribe because I feel like he believed he had a good relationship with everybody that was on his tribe and that he could talk with them and that he could provide for them and that you know, as you said, like the comma camp ran like a well-oiled machine. And I don't know if maybe he thought that that was being strategic because he was creating this world that they all kind of lived in. And for him, perhaps he thought that that was a great strategy because then like we go back to the indebtedness that they're going to feel like they're indebted to me. But it's very surface level what he was doing, you know, with with these types of relationships where he wasn't really trying to he wasn't really trying to learn about how the how they were all going to play the game and, and the different relationships that they were all going to have. I feel like he was really very just at the surface. And yes, he was a nice guy. He was providing. He was doing things for them, but he wasn't really like playing the game with them. Well, right. And that's exactly it. In the preseason, he told E.T. Canada that he wanted to make friends and have a great experience together. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time I said making friends is good, but that's not a strategy. Right. You know, he he also said he wanted to make sure he was part of all the conversations, which he clearly wasn't since he was right next to a conversation about him and didn't even know what was going on. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I know Victoria tweeted that Joe was further away when she started talking about him and he moved closer. So all he could have heard was that they considered him a pair with Aubrey, which that wasn't new information. But that still means Joe knew they were talking about him and Aubrey. Mm -hmm. Now, you're on Survivor. If people are whispering about you, are what do you think? Are they usually saying good things about you? Right. Yeah. No, that's when you hear your name that, that your all your spidey senses should go up and you should be like, oh, crap, I'm in trouble. And the thing is, is he knew he was in trouble. That's the other part that I don't understand. And I don't know if we should get here yet. 
But well, let, he, let me, he knew where he was falling in that comma eight. Right. And yeah, let me. Let, so. So. Yeah. He, well, I don't know if he knew. That's the thing. I said that earlier. At one minute he would say he did at one. He, he didn't. Yeah. And but he, he told he told Kelly that Aubrey and he and Aurora were on the outs. So, yeah. I mean, he he should have known that it would. But that's what he told smart, her. He, I mean, he but, actually said that in this last episode. So it's one of those like, you know, that you're on the outs, you know, that people um are targeting you. And but then you still have you still have this idea in your head that there that it is comma eight, even though you know that you are not at the top of that comma eight at all. So I, I he's just there seemed to be a really like a disconnect there. Right. Even though he and, knew, but he still didn't know. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that disconnect goes deeper because, you know, going back again to when he laid out his quote unquote strategy uh, a couple times during the game. So there was a web confessional from episode two. He said he wanted to have players enjoying themselves and having fun, and he would eliminate side conversations and paranoia by having fun. Again, disconnect. No, yes. having fun has nothing to do with side conversations. Mm hmm. You know, and then more recently, he tried something different by trying to make Julia feel like she was a threat. So she would join with him as another threat. And it did make Julia think about her position, but it didn't succeed in the part that he wanted because he didn't specifically seem to be offering her anything. Yeah. You know, and then he he uh, he was also had this other strategy, not just about that he would support them all by uh you know doing the shelter and the fire but by doing the firework by taking care of the fire none of them would get practice for final four mm -hmm. uh, okay but first you got to get to final four yeah yeah it and, was very surface it really yeah. was very surface yeah so then we get to this episode and his main strategy seemed to be doing nothing, nothing. <laughs> you know uh, you know, back in the fourth episode, he had a web confessional saying he wanted to make people feel comfortable so they'd come to him and trust him. And he right. said, if you're running around and having tons of conversations, nobody will want to trust you, which is something I say in rule two. So he's right about that. But that doesn't mean you don't have any strategic discussions. Right. The, and when, when know, people come to you and say, hey, what's the plan? What are we doing? And you and your only response is follow those nards and make sure they're not talking about me. And that's yeah. it. And that's the only thing that you that you well, actually offer up is yeah. mind blowing. Well, but it's even I mean, it's well, I was going to say it's even worse, but it kind of that's the worst part, because the first part of it being bad is the strategy of waiting for people to come to you does yeah. not usually end well. We've right. seen it before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then when they do come to you. And you still refuse to talk strategy to yeah. them. Mm -hmm. Well, I uh, I don't know. This game moves fast. You know, those are not the words that solidify an alliance. And, right. Yeah. You know, in, uh, according to Julia on Twitter, it turned Ron from someone who was maybe most likely to to want to keep him around to the one who was pushing the others to vote out Joe. Yeah. She said she was against it. Victoria was against it and someone else was against it. And he pushed them to, you know, as a group vote out Joe. And yeah. it's, you know, in large part because of the way Joe was being here. 
Well, Joe was given two really incredible opportunities while he was painting the flag or whatever the thing is called um, when he was painting the Phoenix. He definitely you know, was that conversation with Ron was presented and he didn't he didn't offer up a name. He didn't talk strategy. He just basically said, go follow them, find out who they're talking about. And that was it. And then you've got Kelly, who also came to him, I think, even before that time to say, hey, I, you know, what's happening? I want to know where we're at. Like, I've got your back. You've got mine. And that's when he tells Kelly that he knows that he and Aubrey and Aurora were on the outs with Kama. So, again, you're like you're being given a gift, really, you know, from Kelly, like, oh, so you were on the outs and Kelly wants to work with me. Maybe I need to, like, ingratiate myself with Kelly and the people that come with her because that number, you know, I might be better in that five or six as opposed to where I'm falling in the eight over here. But again, he didn't he didn't take that to the next level and use it for his benefit. He kind of had the conversation and then was like, okay, you know, I'm going to go back to fishing and doing whatever else it is I'm going to do to make camp life better. But you can't. When you're given an opportunity like that, when it's presented to you in such a fashion, you really have to use that to your benefit. And I just feel like there were so many missed opportunities with him that he just he didn't take it to the next level. Yeah, he seems he, he seems to have been so nervous that, you know, and not wanting to make it look like he was nervous and not running around that he. He thought that any conversation was a bad conversation, but no, there's a difference between not running around and not talking strategy at all. Yeah. You know, they came to him and, and he blew them off. Yeah. You know, St- Steven said on Twitter and he said similar things on his blog and on know-it-alls that, that Joe's strategy appeared to be the unstrategy of just sitting there and being non-threatening. And then Andrea replied, True, it may have been his strategy, but I'm saying it clearly didn't work. So maybe he should have been a little more proactive knowing he's such a threat. So, mm-hmm. you know, points for Andrea there. And unstrategy is literally the opposite of scheming and plotting. And given that I always say this is the most important rule, purposely tanking it is a terrible idea. Yes. Yeah. No, I really feel like that's what ended up happening. It, I do think that your point of him just being so nervous about being such a threat, I think it got in his head. I really think that it it clouded his ability to play this game because he saw what had happened the first two times he played. And so I think that he walked into this thinking and he did say that I'm going to play this game completely different. And he did play Mm -hmm. it different, but not completely different. He he, better. Right. He cut out the portions that he really needed to to work on and excel at. And still, you know, didn't downplay those areas that we already know Joey Amazing is great at. And he he really needed to flip the script entirely. And he didn't do that. And unfortunately, kind of cut himself at the knees because he didn't allow himself to be the like the actual strategist that nobody expected him to be. Like he could have shocked the hell out of everybody if he had come in and been like this really great strategic player. That no well, one was sure, expecting. He certainly would have shocked the hell out of me. Let me tell well, you. Well, he would have, I know. So that would have been fun to hear. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he would have shocked the hell out of everybody because I, I don't think it's in him. You know, yeah. I don't know that he understood the difference between what type of threat he was. He knew he was a threat, but he, he didn't understand he was a physical threat. If you're a physical threat, people aren't going to care if you do a little strategizing. Right. But if you're like Aubrey and you're a strategic threat and you start talking to everybody, yeah, that's when it becomes more of a problem. 
Right. He could have used going out fishing as an excuse to like hang out with people. You know, there's a lot of opportunities to have conversations one on one when it appears as if you are doing things for the betterment of the camp. Yeah, but instead it was nothing. <laughs> so, all right, I, I think we've uh, I, I think we've uh, successfully explained uh, his nothingness there. And uh, I'm sorry, Joe. I think he's a great yeah, guy. I really do. I'm, I'm pretty sure Joe isn't listening. So, uh, <laughs> oh my some goodness! Some people are. I don't think Joe is one of them. All right. Uh, but uh, anyway, because I mean, if he had been, he'd have heard me and Rob talk about it, and mm-hmm. he'd have followed our advice. You know, back from that season. That's so, true. That is true. All right. So we can move on to the second rule, which tells players to avoid scheming and plotting too much. And uh, given what we just discussed, I got nothing here. How about you? Yeah, I would say I've got nothing as well. Okay. So uh, let's move to the third rule, which talks about being flexible. What do you think about Joe's strategic, not not physical, strategic flexibility? He wasn't because there wasn't <laughs> anything happening. I mean, it. God, that they those two conversations just really. With Ron and with Kelly, it's one of those moments when you're watching on TV going, what are you doing? Like, talk to them, have a conversation, use this to your benefit. So, yeah, I I would say not flexible. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to go once again back to what I said when Joe lost second chance. The one place we know Joe remained inflexible was in the way he couldn't bring himself down to human levels instead of challenge God levels. He couldn't pretend to be something he wasn't. And, you know, that goes back to what we talked about in rule six about how he should have, you know, pretended to be injured or something like that. Mm-hmm. All right. So we uh, quickly continue on to rule four, which tells players not to let their emotions control them. And once again, I well, I, I just don't think this was a problem for Joe. He didn't seem particularly emotionally attached to the other players from what we saw. And he didn't have a chance to let it affect his voting. So I don't think this came into play. Yeah, I would agree. It didn't come into play. All right. So on to the fifth rule, which discusses how players have to pretend to be nice and play the social game and heading into the game. And then during his time there, we heard Joe talk about how he wanted to do something different this time and connect individually with people. We've already talked about that, but this is, Mm -hmm. you know, where it really belongs here. And it, it sounded good in theory, But then I went back to my notes for why Joe lost second chance. And I found that in his interview with Rob after his time there, he said his plan for that season had been that he wanted to make sure to connect with people on a more personal level. So in other words, he was supposedly doing the same thing last time, too. Mm -hmm. And in that podcast, I noted that it might have helped, you know, to make those, you know, personal one on one connections if he'd made it to the end. But. There was simply no way he was making it to the end short of winning all the challenges. So, again, we thought he was changing things up. No, it turns out he was doing the same thing. <laughs> well, but he did say in a web confessional that he wants to play better this time. Oh, and, well, and he was okay. going he was going to rely on his social strategy and his skills that he knows he has, but maybe hasn't executed as well in the past. So maybe he was recognizing that he had already kind of tried that and it didn't work but again i don't think that he really executed it better this time but he was acknowledging that he was trying to yeah but the thing is again this this whole connecting individually with people only works if you have a strategy yeah that goes along with that Mm -hmm. just being friends yes 
at the very end, if you make it to the end and you are friends with everyone and they truly feel like they connected with you, then, yeah, you're more likely to get their votes. But you got to get to the end first. Yeah, that is where strategy comes into play. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree. Like I and I, you know, the thing is, is pretend to be nice. Joe doesn't need to pretend to be nice. He is. He's a nice guy. He's an absolutely wonderful human being and he's a pleasure and he does great things for his tribe. We know that. So that's why he really needed to like kick it up a notch because you don't even need to try hard to just make people like you. I mean, they're going to like you and you're going to have certain things about you that you bring to the tribe that are going to make you even more likable, like feeding them. You know, all of these things are to your benefit. So that's why it's like, all right, I'm good here. I'm already likable. I'm going to feed them. And now I really need to try to, I need to sneak in there strategically and and really try to play my game as he wanted to do differently. But make allies that will vote together. Yeah. Yeah. Not just have friendships and try to have a nice time on Fiji. Yeah. All right. So, so, uh, we already did rule six, so we can move on to rule seven, which talks about idols and advantages. Now, Joe didn't have one. But Rob mentioned something interesting on the know-it-alls that I wanted to mention here because he said it was better to take out Joe now because they know he doesn't have an idol. Right. And that and, was a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this really relates more to Ron and Julia than, than it does to the others, you know, because they were the ones who searched his bag. And we can't entirely say they 100 percent knew because, yeah, there could have been a merge idol. Right. I, I still think it's worth mentioning because they at least knew he didn't have it coming out of the swap. Right. And that is, you know, one of those things when you are at the merge vote and you know that there's could potentially be a split vote and other names are coming up. If someone plays an idol, it can t- certainly, you know, change everything that you've kind of anticipated happening with that particular vote. So the fact that they were pretty confident he didn't have one, I can understand. Yeah. All right. So we get to the long awaited Appendix A. Oh, goody. Yeah, which is about the rest of the tribe keeping their own end goals in mind when voting out uh, a player. And, of course, a big part of the rule is that they should, whenever possible, vote out the weak, then the strong, then the weak, then the strong. Now, back in my Why Joe Lost Second Chance podcast, I noted that we were obviously in the strong phase as they voted out the strongest person there. And remember, at the time, this happened after he passed out in a challenge. Yeah, he still fit into that category at the time. Uh, And I also said, watching the way he competed, there was no way his tribe mates could allow him another chance. He had to go, period. Mm -hmm. And not surprisingly, the same thought still held true this time. While Joe obviously hadn't won any individual immunity challenges yet this time, all of these players saw what he could do in his prior seasons. And in case they forgot, he reminded them time and time again in the tribal challenges. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he definitely... I don't know. He he was certainly someone that emerge emerge boot makes sense. Yes, because yes. you don't want someone just kind of running away with all of the immunity challenges and making it much further than you had hoped. So he makes sense as emerge boot, absolutely. Right, and on top of that, there were other things going on here, and and this is what we had talked about earlier. You know, we we may understand how the comma six got the original Manu voting against each other. But now is when we try to determine why and whether it was a good idea. It was a horrible idea. Okay. So, so uh, someone here thinks it was a horrible idea. And I'm going to (laughs) say it's because they threw away their majority going forward. They lost Joe 
and Aurora will have no reason to stay with them. Yes. If they had vo- okay. If they had voted out Kelly, they would have had to worry about that, right? Yes. All and, and see, and here's the thing. And I, I know that you're probably going to be like, and you're wrong, Jessica, and this is why you're wrong. But if, <laughs> I mean, you look at, you look at the, the numbers that they have going in and, and I, I just, I go back to that conversation and I can't, I blame Kelly for this too, because Kelly didn't, she didn't help herself at all. Uh, with the way that this was, that this, that this information came together for her. You know, when Joe said to her that he and Aubrey and Aurora were on the outs, Kelly still said, okay, well, Devons and David are going to, they're going to flip. So we're going to go after them instead of looking at it going, Hey, you know what? If that's, you know, if you and Aurora are on the outs and Devons is back and we've got David, so that's four. And then it's me and War Dog and Lauren. Well, now we have seven. Seven is more than six. So perhaps we could all come together instead of trying to gouge each other's eyes out and 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 rely on the people who Joe is already telling you he's on the outs with. I just feel like they bought into this comma group so easily without really kind of picking it apart. I mean, and David even said to Devin's, he's like, that's horrible gameplay when he found out like what was happening. So I, I just, I feel like it was kind of this train that got started and that Lauren and Kelly really got it started. And then Kama jumped on and went, this is great because now they're going to be wanting to focus on each other instead of us. But now we get into the situation where Aurora, yes, Aurora is not going to want to vote with them. However, you, there is a rift now between Devons and war dog i mean we saw that from the preview that clearly they wanted to vote him on again so there's going to be a lot of like contention now that didn't need to exist and a potential what if because yes you have six but there's still six on the other side that might say hey let's band together so that's a huge risk to take huge risk right right and uh, i mean i can't tell you you're wrong because i actually remember last week i predicted that they would all come together Mm -hmm. obviously that prediction was wrong but uh, how can I tell you you're wrong when you, you know you're basically saying yes, David? Your prediction would have been smart, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, and I do think that that some of the comma six were thinking about this because you know I mentioned that uh, Julia had tweeted, um, you know, some things about that Ron pushed them into it, and this may be why she, Julie, and Victoria initially said no mm-hmm. that, that they were resistant to it until they all just, I, I guess, you know, for. For the goodness of comma six unity, they went that direction. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, you know, of course, I understand the idea of voting out Joe the moment he doesn't have immunity. It's something we said. You should vote out Joe the moment he doesn't have it. And, and but yeah, the, the other the only other thing I can think is that they may figure that the other side won't be able to pull back together and stay completely solid to cause a tie vote for the reasons that that you were starting to say, you know, Julie appears to have Rick and maybe David on her side. Mm -hmm. And of course those two voted against Kelly and war. Caloran seems to have trusted Gavin and Victoria based on perhaps, you know, talking to them at the, uh, at the double tribal council after that tie vote. Cause we heard some things about them saying, you know, hey, 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 we'll we'll work with you. And Kelly had an Entertainment Weekly in-game interview shortly before this episode where she talked about that. Right. And, you know, they voted against David as part of what it seems they thought was a split vote plan to get rid of Rick. So they they all should see the need to come back together because it, they were all scammed. 
They were all scammed. And that's the thing is even if you do believe that any of those six have your back in some way, they're going, they should walk away from that tribal going, Oh wow. We were all just played. Like all of us were played. And maybe we need to just set aside our like anger that, yeah, I voted for you, Rick, because they were telling me that that's what everybody was going to be doing. And even though she's the one who kind of set that in motion, still blame comma six, you know, be like, they were the ones that really wanted to do this. And I'm hoping that they look at that and go, okay, we need to, we need to come together now because they played all of us exceptionally well and made us all target each other instead of targeting any of them. And then they went ahead and voted out one of their own anyway, you know? So I just, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that they have a realization from it that now it's six and six or it can be. It can be. Yeah. And you know, if they had voted out Kelly, it wouldn't be right. And they could have kept their numbers. They could have, you know, unknowingly to them, gotten rid of another uh, idol that was in someone's pocket. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they they would have had the, the more solid majority and they didn't do that. So, you know, I'm I I can't yet say right now they were wrong to vote out Joe because Joe is the type of person you there is just so much emphasis on getting rid of him the moment you can and i and i and that's the thing i understand the concern with him being a challenge beast and potentially winning all of the immunities but what did we see we saw him lose he can be he can be beaten he can there's a lot of game left and you also have to be mindful of the fact that there is an extinction island and even if they think they're going to send him there and he's going to become weak that's joe's element He's going to be out catching fish. He doesn't have as many people to feed anymore because there's only going to be four of them until someone else potentially joins. So the the possibility for him to thrive in that existence is very significant. And when he has a chance to potentially come back, he's going to come back with vengeance and want to beat everybody and is still potentially going to be a challenge beast. So how have you really helped yourself? Because you've given him a chance to kind of fester and and as he said become that phoenix that he was painting and come back and 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 i just i feel like i get it i understand do you want to get rid of him as soon as you can so he doesn't go on a run but in this type of game with edge of extinction that doesn't matter he can still come back and he could still go on that run yeah i mean so basically i'm withholding judgment because i think I, I just I want to see what happens next episode because I know. You know we're we're not there and you know we try we do our best to figure out all of what's going on but if the comma six truly felt like they had the original Manu so bamboozled that they will never be able to come back together again mm-hmm. well then fine yeah six you know it might not be a majority anymore but it will be after one more vote if they truly believe that that's what's going to happen. And you have to remember this too, the conversation. And I really got, I have to give uh, Julie lots of props because I think Julie is doing an exceptional, exceptionally great. Like just, she's doing great. She's just doing Mm -hmm. great. The conversation that she had with Devin's when she was explaining to him, they're targeting you. That's not going to happen. And basically she put it to him like this. We aren't going to tell you what we're doing. We know that you and David are a tight pair, but you are not going home. And she really, I think, laid a very good groundwork for getting David and Devons into that potential, you know, comma six group, because even though there was a lot of people voting for each other, that didn't come from 
that conversation. Like, I don't feel like Devin's is going to feel like he was bamboozled. I think he's going to be mad at Kelly and Lauren and War Dog and not necessarily the six. And so he and David have a chance of at least ingratiating themselves even further with that six. So, I mean, as far as Julie's gameplay with that decision, it seems good for her moving forward and potentially creating some relationships between that six and those two. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess we find out what happens next week. Right, right. So, all right. So we've gone through all the rules. Do you have any final thoughts about Joe? I do have some final thoughts about Joe. And I want to go back to something that Joe said. I have to find it here. He said way back in the beginning, before the game even started, he was talking to Hollywood Reporter. And in his words, I think people can expect me to play hard. They know I love the game. I love the survival aspect of providing, getting fish, taking care of camp, building things. I know there's going to be a level of expectation for me to do those things. So I have to give them that. But I also don't want to be Joey Amazing. I don't want to shine brighter than everyone else because that's how you get voted out. For me, it's a matter of stepping back, chilling out a little more, enjoying Fiji, getting to know the other people. I need to play smarter, not harder. And I I read that and I just thought, oh, Joe, you didn't do you didn't do anything that you set out to do, because I do think that he went into this game with the mindset of he didn't want to be Joey Amazing. But unfortunately, you are Joey Amazing and you will always be Joey Amazing. And so sometimes it's better that you own it. And figure out a different way to, to handle it. You know, I mean, if you, if you don't want to be Joey amazing, then yes, we already talked about the potential of, of pretending that you're injured, but also you can really pull back on something like that because you don't have to be. I mean, you're, he's coming into this saying they're going to expect that of me. Well, then shock them and surprise them that that's not what they're going to get. Let them know, like, listen, I busted out my ankle like a year ago. Like I'm just not as strong as I used to be. Something, you know, a lot of us go into Survivor who did play the game and we work out incessantly. We try to get as strong as we can be. Maybe he should have skipped out on some workouts before he went out there. (laughs) I don't know. You know, stop. Stop being so good at everything and start working on the stuff that you're not so good at, like being strategic and having those conversations and and going below the surface. That it's not just about creating this fun, jovial atmosphere where we're going to catch fish and we're all going to. We're going to hang out and have a great time in Fiji and it'll be wonderful and I'll feed them. And eh, that's not survivor gameplay. And I just I feel for for Joey amazing because he is amazing, but he still has yet to really understand that this is this is a game that there are so many levels to. And he finds himself really just at one particular level and has not been able to delve down and really become someone who is a strategist and someone who could have shocked everybody if he had become like a master strategist and figured out how to really manipulate relationships and really create an alliance with a strong voting group and and really like moved forward with a six that he could have been part of instead of on the outs and i i just i feel for him because i do think that he could have been great and he is great in his own way maybe he will be a phoenix and rise up from the ashes but it'll be interesting to see how Edge of Extinction really affects Joey Amazing moving forward. I'm looking forward to seeing that and what the potential brings for Joey Amazing getting back in the game, maybe. Mm. 
All right. Um, yeah, Joe, Joe came in as the biggest obvious physical threat this season, as he would in pretty much any season. And the result was exactly what we expected it to be. It has often been said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I'm not saying Joe is literally insane, but he does keep doing the same thing over and over again. He said he would change up his game, and he didn't. He was just as much Joey amazing as he ever was, and even parts of his game that he talked about being new turned out not to be. But even coming in as a threat, we can't say that was the whole reason he lost. Last week on the podcast or in Twitter discussions or both, I said that we criticized Aubrey for playing too hard, but if she had done nothing at all, we'd have criticized her for that as well. Lo and behold, Joe tried the exact unstrategy and got the same outcome. He went for literally doing nothing, abandoning what little strategic game he had right when it mattered most, and making Ron, the person who was most likely to side with him, feel uncomfortable enough to instead push to get rid of him. Joe said in the web confessional that he tried to spin his loss in the first challenge as showing that other people can beat him, but it was too little too late for that. He also said that after this vote, he'd see where he stands. Well, yeah, he saw he stands on Extinction Island. Yes, his tribe wanted him gone from the get go. But if he wanted to reduce his threat level, he needed to actually do something about it. He needed to try different things that actually had a chance of working. Instead, he went with the option of doing nothing when he needed to be doing something, anything. He was already a huge target, but that sealed the deal. And that is why Joe lost. There we are. There we are. So we, uh, at least for now, say goodbye to Joe. Yes. And uh, until he beats everybody at, in the next, you know, Extinction yeah. Island challenge. And comes well, back. maybe he might. <laughs> um, but before that, we have another challenge we need to talk about. So we move into our predictions here ah. because something happens to somebody. What do you mean? What are you what are you huffing for? You got the you you got the guy. I was half back. right. Right. I was half yeah. right, which made well, me so happy because he's been half my right twice in a row. So <laughs> um, that's true. That's true. Uh-huh. Ooh, maybe I can be all right this time. Maybe. So. Uh, so anyway, we, we know something happens to somebody in a challenge and which means we don't know much at all because, well, OK, if I had to guess based on previous times, we've seen a preview like that. Ah, something happened. Dr. Joe came in. Well, probably someone passes out at a challenge. They need some water and then they'll be OK. And that was two minutes of, of the show gone. So I, I'm not going to suggest we predict who might get medevac. Mm hmm. So but we we do, however, have to predict what else might happen. And this is where things get difficult. Uh, you know, David says in the second preview that they need to band together and flip the game on its head. And this is similar to one of his web confessionals for this episode in which he said he intends to use the idol to flip the game at the next tribal council. Of course, the main question is how he would do this. Uh, but the other question is if he can do it, because it. Also in that second preview, Rick tells Wardog he doesn't want to work with them at all because they tried to vote him out twice. Now, mm-hmm. technically, as an aside, Rick, they did vote you out once, but we'll we'll let that slide. Right. Um, but the point is, as we discussed earlier, they all need to get over the past. They need to acknowledge that they were played and they need to work together with each other and Aurora. 
And I was originally thinking that they wouldn't because of the emotions involved with Kelly talking about how Rick coming back was the worst thing possible. But when we found out that was a mashup, well, maybe they can do it. We know that it's the best strategic thing for them to do. We we spent time talking about all of that, but it's it's just not always so easy. But what makes it even weirder is if it does happen, then the changing of Kelly's statement becomes more bizarre. Because mm-hmm. a viewer who doesn't know would have to wonder, wait, they were the love tribe a couple weeks ago. Then she hated him so much. And now she's working with him this week. So, yeah, you know, I don't know how you explain that. But if we put that aside for now and focus just on my part of the prediction, if they do indeed work together, then it has to be truly together, meaning at least one of them needs to share information about their idol. And it seems to me that David and Rick are the most likely to do that. If they tell War Kaloran about it and Kelly can get the comma six to focus on David for real this time, then it could work. But if if the comma six decide to kel- target Kelly instead, then I, I really hope she doesn't get played for a second time in a row and keep that idol in her pocket. Yeah, so, see, go ahead. Who's your pick? Well, Come on. Well, I know because it, it's been a long path. Uh, it, it seems unlikely that all those pieces will come together, but I'm going to predict it anyway, just like I did last week. If it happens, one of the comma six will get idled out. And that means that I have to answer the same question I was trying to predict last week. Will they target a strategic person like Victoria, someone physically strong like Eric? Or maybe they hear about what Joe was saying about Julia being a threat and they go after her. And since I have no real reason to pick one over the others, except that being idled out might partially explain her earlier lack of screen time. I'm going to pick Julia. Oh, yeah. See, that's interesting. I'm not going with with Julia. I think that's interesting, though. I do yeah. agree, though, that there is going to be an idol played. I think Kelly is going to play her idol. That's what I think. I don't think okay. that David and Devons would share that information because I think David understands the concern that you mm-hmm. that you can then have. Once you share that information with someone and you tell someone that you've got an idol, especially someone like Kelly, who has been trying to get him out and multiple times and has voted against him multiple times, I don't think he would share that information with her. But I do think that there's a a strong likelihood that those six might come together. And because Kelly might say, well, we've got some options, too. I think she plays her idol and ends up saving herself. That's my thought, Um, because I think that Devins and David are kind of an unknown as far as the comma six, because I think Devins and David might because Kelly's very concerned that they would be the ones that would flip, if you will, and, mm-hmm. and join up with Kama. So there's a very strong likelihood Kelly will believe that she is being targeted. And I think that she might be because if you've got Devons and David willing to try to come back together and it's not it's not it might not work. I mean, I don't know if the six are going to come together, even though I want them to. Like, I don't know if they really will get there because I feel like there's too much bad blood between all of them at this point. And so, I mean, David even said in one of his, uh, I think in the interview that he's, or the preview, that 
he's going to need to find a new path today, 39. And so I don't know if that new path is going to be, I'm going to just jump ship on all these people over here and, and join up with the six over here. But that being said, I do think that Kelly is going to play an idol. And I think that one of the comma six is going to go home and they're going to realize the error of their ways. And <laughs> my thought is that it's going to be either Ron or Eric because Ron or Eric are the ones that really seem to be kind of steering the boat. Because if you've got Julia and Victoria and um, who else is in there? Julia, Victoria, Gavin, Gavin, but there's another Julie, Julie. those three didn't really, they, they weren't as much of a fan. Ron was the one that was really like, we got to vote out Joe. And so they might be like, well, Ron's telling us what to do. And it was a bad idea. So I'm thinking that mm, I, my gut is telling me Ron. That's what my gut is saying, which is uh, going to be wrong. Know, for some reason, Ron didn't even enter into my brain, which he should have, because he was he didn't look great in that tribal council. You know, yeah. He was like, this is what we're doing. And uh, is it too late for me to change my prediction? No, you can't. <laughs> Sure you can. If you think I'm right, oh my gosh, please give me that. Give me that credit. I, I do think Ron <laughs> is more likely than Julia. So um, I feel so good about myself right now. I've just yeah. convinced David Bloomberg to change his mind. That's right. That's right. I'm going to change. I'm going to change to Ron. Nice. Because, yeah, I think if they're going to target someone, it'll be someone who is so obviously comma strong. You mm -hmm. know, and so now what is interesting, so we still have slightly different portions, you know, uh, who might play what idol. Uh, but uh, what would be interesting is if uh, David and Rick don't tell Kelly that they have an idol, but they get all the votes on to Kelly. They steal yeah. the votes that way. And then David plays the idol or whoever David and Rick together play it on to save Kelly and get rid of one of the comma. Because I don't know if you know this. But David has been known to occasionally play an idol on someone else. You know, it's funny that you say that. It That slipped my mind. I forgot that he often does that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would. It would be so much fun if something like that and not. I mean, I say I say fun. I'm sorry, comma six. Like, I think you're all playing a great game. Yeah, but I mean, it's one of those things where it's it's always interesting when you see the numbers like this, where it's presented as if they think they have a majority, but they really don't. And it's like they forgot about that. And when they were doing the right. math, they were like, no, wait, six is not the majority. I mean, they, they may just figure no one's willing to go to rocks over some hodgepodge group also. And it might be, but but that hodgepodge group has three idols. Yeah. Right. Know? I mean, obviously, they don't know that. Right. They don't know that. But, but wow. Yeah. I, I mean, Rob, I, I think it was on know-it-alls. I think Rob talked about how if none of you guys have the idols, someone does. Yes. Yes. So and you, those someones, right. plural, are all in that hodgepodge yeah. group. That Yeah. I, I just, it, so that would be very interesting to see something like that end up happening. A great idol play. It would be good. It would be good. Okay. All right, so you have convinced me to switch my prediction. Love it. Yes, and uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, 
Now, as we uh, as we wrap up, I want to remind people to check out the RHAP patron program by heading over to Rob has a website dot com slash patron to help support all of the RHAP podcasts. And you could take a look at the various Patreon levels to find out what kind of perks you can get, like special co- podcasts, videos, buffs, spells, early access uh, to to live know-it-alls in this in the upcoming case it is literally the only access to live know-it-alls and uh, much more again that's rob has a website.com slash patron and my favorite perk is the patron facebook group so once you get there make sure to say hello to us yes and you can also say hi to us on twitter where you can follow me at jessica lewis 89 and you can follow david at david bloomberg Make sure that you follow both of us because, you know, sometimes there's some conversations back and forth between David and I. And this way you get the whole conversation throughout the week, including both of us live tweeting during the actual airing of the show each each you know Wednesday night, Eastern and Central time. And also, like you heard today and you've heard previously, sometimes there are Twitter conversations that we like to talk about when we are making our determinations of why people lost. And so that way you might have an opportunity to hear that first before we even talk about it on this particular podcast. So make sure that you follow both of us to get both sides of every story. And you know what? It's fun to follow us because we might just respond to you. And I might actually take into consideration some of your suggestions. Thank you so much for everyone who provided those because we convinced David to change his predictions. That's right. right. (laughs) All my Twitter followers out there, I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, you were using Twitter followers to come to that conclusion? I might have, you know, said, hey, Uh, what are your thoughts? And they they helped me. They helped me think it through. So I appreciate that. And I do Uh, have one other thing to mention before uh, before we end up saying, you know, we're done and goodbye. We have to say happy birthday to War Dog. It's his birthday yes, today. Going, yes, uh, as we record this, and you know, uh, it, it'll probably come out tonight. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, then, yeah, happy birthday, War Dog. And uh, you know, then uh, tomorrow, when many of you will be listening to this, it is uh, April Fool's Day, and uh, nothing in this podcast has been an April Fool's joke. We know Rob does not like April Fool's pranks, so we did not do anything here. Everything yes. we have said is. Dead serious, I promise. So you all heard that when next week, when Bloomberg realizes he shouldn't have changed his predictions. (laughs) It was all in April Fool's. Yes. Come on, Jessica. Did you really think I would side with you? Come on. It was clearly an April Fool's. I can already hear it. I can already hear it. Oh, man. All right. Well, we still need a hashtag. Uh, uh Ah. And yes. Hashtag. Uh, I just want. I just want to just relish in this moment where I got you to Uh-oh. change your predictions. I just want to be like. Hashtag Jessica's right because well, we don't know. We don't know. I know right. that, but I. I want to be all right. Never mind. How about <laughs> Jessica? Maybe right. Oh, okay. There we go. Because I got you go. convinced. Yes, that's right. So hashtag Jessica may be right. <laughs> that's perfect. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then, of course, there's the hashtag for this podcast overall, which is YXLost. Uh, 
Make sure you're getting all the Survivor commentary you can handle by subscribing to all of the RHAP Survivor podcasts at robhasapodcast.com slash Survivor, or, you know, just doing it on your favorite podcatcher, which is probably easier. We are also on the Reality TV Rehap Ups feed, which you can get the same way. In both places, you find all the great RHAP content like the Know-It-Alls, the Wiggle Room, uh, This Week in Survivor, the RHAP B&B, and much more. Uh, so make sure that you uh, subscribe if you're not already. Thanks to Scott St. Pierre, who does all the editing on the Why Blank Lost podcasts. Thanks, as always, to Will from America for the theme song. And thanks to you, Jessica, for another great episode and hopefully a great prediction since I jumped on board. I love it. And thank you, David, for not only a great episode, but also for joining in my prediction. I, I can pat myself on the back and feel proud for just a moment because Wednesday I'll find out that I'm wrong. But. Yeah, right. I mean, it'll turn out none of these people could actually work with each other and we're going to have a pagonging. But, yes. you know, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll definitely point. see. But it'll be great if it actually if we are right. Oh, it'll be a celebration for sure. So that's right. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll definitely chat again next week. All right. See everybody then. Bye. Bye. Have you lost Survivor and you're feeling down? David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how. You played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost. And this is why Blank lost. Oh, baby, this is why Blank lost.